1: Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOCS program. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday to defend and to promote public education. That's education that's public in purpose and outcome. Above all, it's public in access, and we're going to be talking about that very much today. It's very much in the news. Public in access, open to all children, open to all Australian children. And our public education system should be publicly owned and it should also be publicly accounted for. But unfortunately, uh, public money goes elsewhere. It goes into private religious and other private schools and it is not accounted for. But you take one penny away from the competition, and there is complete and utter outrage. Our public education system, however, is and should be accountable for every dollar that is spent, and um, the politicians want this. They not only want it to be accountable for the money, they want the teachers to almost be paid by results. We hear how the Labor Party is going to give public education a lot more money if they get into office, but they expect results. No such thing is ever demanded from the private sector. It's a very unequal situation indeed. Now we have a website at www.adogs.info and we put up a press release and this week we have press release 766 and we're going to go this week into areas that we prefer not to go into but we're being dragged into it. The public in Australia are being dragged into thinking about children, not just children and religion, but children and sex. One would have thought that school was about learning and that, as we've said, school should be open to all children. But we discover with outrage about discrimination against children on the grounds of their sexuality. But dogs point out that private schools discriminate on many grounds, because that is the essence of their choice of private status. And this is the press release. There's been quite a lot of um, chewing and froing in the Twitter sphere this week. At 2.18am on the 10th of October 2018, an outraged independent Senator Darren Hinch tweeted as follows. I will move a, motion, a notice of motion in the Senate Monday calling for any private school that discriminates against a teacher or student on sexuality grounds be stripped of all government funds and charity status. The ABC News noted his tweet at 6am on the morning of the 11th of October, but the response to his Twitter on the Twitter sphere, indicates an interesting reaction to the realisation that private schools are demanding legitimisation of their privilege to discriminate. Under the cloak of religious liberty, they demand enshrinement in legislation of what they are already doing. Because private schools are, and they always have been, discriminating against children. Now this is fine, accepting that they take taxpayers' money. And not only take taxpayers' money, they take enormous sums of taxpayers' money, and they deprive public schools of that money. Early reactions to, uh, the, the idea of discriminating on the basis of, of all things sexuality. How they're going to determine that is beyond my imagination indicate the doors opening to a wider debate about enrolment and employment discrimination. The horses are already running, albeit in different directions. Within hours, the Liberal Minister, Alex Hawke, had said that such discrimination was absolutely acceptable. In Australia, you have a choice of schooling. And Scott Morrison stressed that the review's key finding, this by the way was the key finding of the um, Ruddock review, wasn't a change and that what was reported were just proposals. Both Bill Shorten and Tanya Plibersek rejected expanding any discrimination in legislation. As the Sydney Morning Herald reported, when the Ruddock report came into the into the Twister sphere and into the media, Mr Morrison was asked, so you're comfortable with a school expelling a student because they're gay or lesbian? And the Prime Minister replied, it is existing law. I find this quite... I'm very old-fashioned. This would not have even been a subject to be discussed when I went to school. And perhaps that was not necessarily a good thing. But um, children went to school to learn all sorts of very interesting things, and what what their sexual preferences might be was really of no account, whatever. The age of the 10th of October 2018 noted that Labour and the Coalition had joined forces to defeat a Greens bill two years ago that would have revoked the right of religious schools in Victoria to target students for being gay. The Greens had sought in 2016 to strip Victoria's Equal Opportunity Act of three exemptions to allow faith-based schools to discriminate against students based on their sex, sexual orientation, lawful sexual activity or gender identity but the private members' bill was voted down by the major parties and Fiona Patton was the only MP willing to vote with the Greens in the upper house on this. The Andrews government opposed the bill while pursuing its own reforms to the state's equal opportunity laws, which would have wound back the right of religious schools to turn teachers away due to their particular gender. Labor's push also failed by the narrowest margins with Liberal Upper House President Bruce Atkinson using his casting vote to ensure the bill's defeat. This means that private religious schools are above the law. They can discriminate on any grounds whatsoever. And this is really the point here. It's not just this question of whatever a child's sex or sexuality may be because really I can't see how that's anyone's business excepting their own and perhaps that of their parents. But religious schools discriminate on a large number of even more extraordinary grounds. They can discriminate on any grounds whatever. And Darren Hinch and the Greens need to take the next step. These private schools are publicly funded. They can and they do discriminate against children. And this means children from the ages of 5 to 18. They discriminate against children not only on the basis of sexuality, but also on the basis of class, creed, disability and race. And ditto for teachers. The private schools can refuse to enrol any child on any grounds whatever and the same for teachers. To begin with, although they take billions in public money, they charge fees. This is a a most important basis of discrimination, I believe. In Finland, it's illegal to charge fees. It should be in Australia too. That's if we pay for these schools. With the exception of high fee paying schools for the self-styled governing class, taxpayers are substantially paying for Catholic and other dependent private schools and they're putting a lot of money into the really wealthy schools as well. Take them over and open them up to all children and let the rest be genuinely independent and this is why dogs have always opposed state aid to private schools. Now in the Twitter sphere. There were some very interesting reactions to Darren Hinch's proposal. On Thursday morning, I went through the Twitter sphere. I had fun in the Twitter sphere. You can only put so many words on your Twitter, but um, there was some interesting twitters to his Twitter because he made this motion. He was going to put known on his Twitter. There's a very interesting one by a gentleman who calls himself The Darkness, I assume he's a gentleman. He says, can you move a notion, notice of motion in the Senate on Monday, which just calls for the removal of any public funding to private schools? However, there was somebody who called themselves the voice of reason, and they came back with the usual um, stuff argument. Once you've built enough new schools to house the 35% of children attending private schools and source the billions to replace the school fees subsidising them. Well I have news for voice of reason. We're already paying for those schools because Mr Andrews has just given 400 million or promised 400 million for new Catholic schools. So we're paying for these schools. That's the, the bricks and mortar. Uh But the darkness responded, what about the billions of tax religious organisations don't pay? They couldn't put that money towards paying for their own schools. Perhaps they should pay tax on income too. And a person called David Nathan said, don't bring common sense into a discussion about religion. The sheep don't appreciate it. And then the voice of reason came back, maybe people don't want to send their THERE kids to public schools because they notice the name-calling and invective they get when they engage with the adults that public schools produce. (laughs) Uh, And the darkness responded, my friends went to a rather expensive Lutheran school, me estate. Guess who introduced me to cannabis at 16? Which one has the long-term ice addiction? Wonder whose house the best underage drinking parties I went to were held. I thought that was interesting. And the voice of reason, who's obviously a private school person, said, Damn, all we ever had was beer. <laughs> and human, somebody else had a go and said, Don't get too excited, lefties. Labor will likely vote with the government on this motion. And Wombat Punch said, old habits are hard to break. See, Sean Bradbury said, it's a bit more complicated than that, but yes. And Wombat Punch replied, understood, it just doesn't make it any less frustrating every time it happens. Then Julie Boyd had this to say. How about just removing charity status from all churches? Why should we pay twice for these private schools, once through tax exemption and again through subsidies? I quite like that argument because they're forever telling us that they pay double tax. They certainly get it back with interest. Dr Gillian Carroll had this to say. Government-funded religious schools are not independent, therefore they should not be exempt from the rule of law. If they wish to be independent, they should not be government-funded. And that is the dog's position. Catherine Perry at Catpuri9 said, I'd rather see a vote proposing that religious organisations not be exempt from Australian laws. Religion is not magic. It doesn't make anyone above the law. All Australians should obey Australian law. Discrimination is illegal. Religions should not be exempt. And Village Gossip said, good on you, thanks. This is the sort of sensible action we need. And uh, Grumpy Guts, Grumpy Guts was quite interesting. He said, do we assume that when you say any, and he's referring here to um, the the tweet, the original tweet of Darren Hinch, you also include Islamic schools, which to my mind could prove to be problematical. But Stephen Hamilton said, why? They discriminate, they lose funding. And Brian Greig responded, also... Lobby group Just Equal commissioned a Galaxy UGov survey in April this year which found that 78% of Australians believe that religious schools should be stripped of public funds if they discriminate against LGBTI teachers and students. That was interesting. And then there was this really interesting one with a picture and he called himself John Lang, who, as you know, has been dead these many years but was a great church-state separationist. And he said, why not just make that discrimination illegal and be done with it? So uh, somebody, Spanky Hunter, Spanky Hunter said, they already can around stuff. So that means that these religious schools already discriminate anyway. Let's go, wacko, let's go, says, it's in breach of the Convention on the Rights of the Child. Morrison sin is a crook a people smuggler who bragged when caught. By hook or crook, foe, F.O. Abbott, was a partner too. He never said a word about it. Lot smarter than scummo. And uh, dude 69 says, Jeez, I hope you do, Darren. Don't let the people down again, please. Because Darren Hinch uh, talks big and then votes uh, elsewhere. Lady Pooh said, geez, Darren, I'm actually impressed. Go for it, Tiger. Or Tigger, that'd be Tigger, wouldn't it, if it's Lady Pooh? <laughs> um, Colleen McKinnon said, I can provide a list of those, that's religious schools that already do, that is, discriminate against children. Uh, Smithy at Borgwog says, you better not turn around later and vote against your own motion, Darren. We've noticed you generally vote with the Liberals. So there you are. Uh, it, went, it was very entertaining. I'm afraid I had a very entertaining time when I was looking at Darren Hinch's response to the Ruddock report where the religious schools suddenly felt that they might be under some kind of um, pressure. However, they might be sorry that they did it because people are starting to look at the broader issue. It's one thing to discriminate against children on the basis of whatever their supposed sexuality is. How on earth you work this out is beyond me. I'm sorry, I'm just not an expert in these matters. But um, it's, it's bringing out how they charge fees, they discriminate against teachers, they discriminate against children on the basis of whatever religion religious beliefs their parents may have, because you're never quite sure really with children where they're at. They, I mean, children can be an age 5 to 18 in our school system. So I'm going to ask Dale if she will read what somebody else had to say about all this after we've had a bit of music. Yes, well, there we had some Vivaldi. I hope you enjoyed it, because I rather like Vivaldi. But now we've got Dale, who's going to read to you uh, what Chris Bonner from Save Our Schools has got to say about this whole discrimination issue and religious liberty, which is uh, not... It's exactly what Mr Morrison doesn't need at the moment. And between you and me... I don't think religious schools need it either. But this is what Chris Bonner had to say in John Menadue's Pearls and Irritations. Thanks, Jean. I've got uh, Chris
0: Bonner's article here uh, entitled Ruddock Reviews Kicks Up a Storm. If short-term reactions are any guide, it seems that many of those who submitted to the Ruddock Review into religious protections might have some cause for regret. While it's early days, it is likely to throw a timely spotlight on religious school enrolment and employment discrimination. Such discrimination already applies unevenly across Australia, but an emerging question might be why it should exist at all. The essence of the review's recommendations was reported in the Sydney Morning Herald on Wednesday, October 10th. According to the report, it seems that the review has dismissed the notion that religious freedom in Australia is in imminent peril. The suggestion instead is to make changes to federal anti-discrimination laws to give religious schools some guarantee of the right to turn away gay students and teachers. It suggests that the review panel thought that streamlining existing practice might placate the dogs of religious war. But early reactions indicate that the door is opening to a wider debate about enrolment and employment discrimination. The horses are already running, albeit in different directions. Within hours, Liberal Minister Alex Hawke said that such discrimination was absolutely acceptable. In Australia, you have choice of schooling. Scott Morrison stressed that the review's key finding wasn't a change and that what was reported were just proposals. Both Bill Shorten and Tanya Plibersek rejected expanding any such discrimination. As the Sydney Morning Herald reported, Mr Morrison was asked, So you're comfortable with a school expelling a student because they are gay or lesbian? The Prime Minister replied, It is existing law. It's almost as if last year's plebiscite didn't happen at all, and that regardless, other discrimination against the LGBTI community can remain enshrined in legislation and even expanded. The reality is that events over the last 12 months have exposed long-standing discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation by many religious schools as an unwanted anachronism. Widening the discriminatory powers of religious schools raises a host of questions. There will be a big debate. In the coming weeks, those who sought greater discrimination may well be reminded how important it is to be careful what you wish for. Even without any expansion, the existing framework of discrimination is now questionable for another reason – They date back to an era when private schools were indeed substantially private, and the idea of excessive government regulation was not on many agendas. But now, most most religious schools are funded by governments at levels close to the government funding of public schools. In financial terms, most religious schools are effectively government schools. So how is it appropriate that governments allow discrimination in some of its funded schools? Why should some schools be permitted on the public purse to cultivate their preferred environment and ethos by excluding even more of those they don't want? Apologists for expanding discrimination will parade the usual comments about the desirability of school choice. But even just confirming existing discrimination would further mock the already farcical state of school choice Australian style. It has only been available to those who can pay money, pass a test or push the right buttons. Now we have the whole LGBTI community, otherwise strongly supported in last year's plebiscite, who won't and should not accept discrimination by taxpayer funded private schools. They can have a wedding, they can have a wedding cake but when it comes to one third of Australia's schools they needn't bother even applying.
1: Yes, so uh, I think it's a very interesting situation indeed that um, we're in and I think ordinary people can suddenly start thinking about how our private schools discriminate and the dog's position is start with the charging of fees because the cornerstone of a democracy which needs to have well-educated citizens is a free public education system which is generously publicly funded. So one wonders whether or not we have a genuine democracy, especially when we have a Labor Party in Victoria... Who has suddenly thought, well, we'll, we better shore up that Catholic vote. We better keep Mr. Elder happy. And, uh, we are told on Tuesday, October the 9th, that, uh, Mr. Andrews is promising a 400 million carrot for private schools. Now, what is this carrot going to be for, this 400 million? At the point at which our state schools in Victoria are in dire need of proper maintenance, Uh, the Catholic and independent schools have been given a major pre-election promise, uh, and they're going to have the red tape in planning cut so that they can give, they can put up as many schools as they want. I find this quite shocking. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but in relation to this Discrimination Against Children on the Basis of Sex and Sexuality, I'm going to ask Dale to just read a report in The Australian. It's a report from The Australian. It's a very interesting report, and I thank one of our members for showing it to me, because not all of us read Mr Murdoch's papers. Mm-hmm. But and and of course they have been taking the Catholic um, view all along in the funding wars of the last few months. But this statement by Mr. Joyce of all people about somebody has, who has recently been uh, in the courts, I find speaks for itself. Over to you, Dar.
0: Thanks, Jean. Yes, I've got the article here uh, by Joe Kelly and Deborah Cornwall. It's entitled, Joyce Denounces Abhorrent Teacher. Former, former Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce has condemned one of his former teachers, Victor Higgs, who was found guilty yesterday of the repeated indecent assault of six students at Sydney's Riverview College in the 1970s and 80s. Mr Joyce told the Australian he had clear memories of 81-year-old Higgs, a Jesuit brother who was his dorm master in year eight. He said Higgs had tried to kiss him when he was a 13-year-old boarder at the school in 1981. I don't carry any scars, Mr Joyce said. My own experience is of being taken from class to go up to his room, which was a long distance away from the classes, for one of his fat chats where he tried to break, break you down personally so he could hug you and try to kiss you or alternatively make you try on basketball pants. Mr Joyce said that he and his fellow boarders knew Higgs was a creep and had shown resilience by banding together to try to protect each other from him. They didn't understand. They could have complained about him. At the time, so much of what this person did, we thought, was just part and parcel of being at boarding school, Mr Joyce told the Australian. Now we would see it in a more sober light. In years gone by, he was completely and utterly abhorrent and unacceptable. Mr Joyce's memories of Higgs' attempts to molest him are consistent with the Crown case laid against the Jesuit brother. Over the past fortnight, a a district court jury heard extensive evidence of how Higgs would summon boys to his office and other places, including a beach house in Jeroa on the New South Wales south coast between 1972 and 1980, and would then make the boys strip off their clothes for him and perform sexual acts. In one case, Higgs allegedly told a boy he had sexually abused, don't mention this to anyone, this is between you and me. Higgs's defence was that the former students may be mistaken or confused and that they had identified the wrong teacher. The jury heard that Higgs who left the Jesuit order in 2001, had a history of abusing children and had pleaded guilty to molesting two students at St Ignatius College in Adelaide in the 1960s and 70s. After two days of deliberation, the jury yesterday found him guilty of the repeated indecent assault of six teenage boys at the school between 1972 and 1980. Higgs Arrests last year followed a letter to more than 6,500 former students at Riverview College in 2015, urging them to come forward if they knew of any child sex abuse allegations at the school. Higgs was extradited from South Australia in January last year and charged with 16 counts of indecent assault by the New South Wales Police Sex Crimes Squad which specialises in historical and serious or complex cases. Mr Joyce is one of, m- one of many of the school's well-known alumni, who include former Prime Minister Tony Abbott, the Archbishop of Sydney Anthony Fisher, New South Wales Supreme Court Ju- Chief Justice Tom Bathurst, and Australian Test Fast Bowler Jackson Bird. In the letter to former students issued yesterday by Riverview College Principal Paul Hine offered an abject apology for those, uh, for the pain and suffering caused to those entrusted in our care. Dr. Hine also praised victims who had shown great courage to report the abuse. The Royal Commission into Institutional Responses to Child Sexual Abuse uncovered alleged historical child abuse at a string of other Sydney private schools, including Trinity Grammar and Knox Grammar.
1: Fascinating. But I think that we'll just leave it. There are many things that could be said, but the dogs really are not that interested in these so-called sex issues. We are interested in children going to school and learning the skills and the knowledge that will make them good citizens and give them employment and opportunities in this democracy of ours. That's what we're here for.
0: Although the article does, yes. does speak to the issues of choice of values that uh, people are making as a reason to send their children to private school. What, just what values are we talking about?
1: Yes. Thank you, Dale.
0: <laughs> we might uh, have a little break and we'll be right back after yes. this. Yes.
2: On 20 of October, come, enjoy an experience traditional butterpan, underground cooking from West Papua, fundraising for Black Orchid Shrimp Band with music, food, and movie, held in Brunswick East, cooking will start at 5 p.m., pre-booking ticket only, 20 for adult, 14 for children, kids, Under 5 is free. Find the event on Black Orchid Stream Band Facebook page. Book through Try Booking. See you there at 20th
0: of October. Black Orchid Stream Band. Proud 3CR supporter.
1: World Mental Health Day 2018 is coming up on October 10th. This year, the World Health Organization's theme is Young People and Mental Health in a Changing World. Talking about what it means to grow up in today's society and how to build mental resilience to cope with pressures. To celebrate on Brainwaves, we want to hear from you. Send in your stories about what resilience and mental health means to you. Head to brainwaves.org.au to find
3: out more and submit your story. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio on Wednesday the 10th of October at 5pm to hear our special Mental Health Week edition of Brainwaves or listen to the podcast on the 3CR website. Brainwave. hear the world differently,
2: proudly sponsored by World Australia.
1: Let's talk facts and figures. Let's talk facts and figures. Last week and in in previous weeks, Mr Scott Morrison has been buying off the Catholic schools. Like Riverview. Like Xavier. And Mr Elder down here in Victoria has been leading the charge on behalf of the schools. But don't be, don't be uh, fooled. Mr Elder is a layman. At the end of the day, in spite of 26 days in the High Court, the Catholic system is run by the religious men, the bishops and the archbishops. And periodically you get an insight into this very simple fact. These are religious schools, they are religious institutions, they are answerable up the line to are the bishops, the archbishops, and eventually the Pope. We are dealing with a multinational religious organisation that has tax exemptions and takes billions of dollars from our government. Separation of church and state is a myth, which of course is trotted out when people talk about religious liberty. We lost our religious liberty in 1981 with the Dogs case. And if you look at what actually happened up in New South Wales in recent weeks, you can see how this system works. Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced a $4.6 billion school funding fix to the Catholic problem. And up in New South Wales, which has a strong public education lobby, very strong indeed, and also a strong public education system, stronger than Victoria or anywhere else in Australia and probably the largest number of public schools in Australia for a state. The Minister for Education, Mr Stokes, said that he would not sign the uh, States Grants Act. Now, at the risk of boring you, my dear listeners, I'd just like to explain how this works The Commonwealth makes sure that it doesn't go against Section 116 of the Constitution by giving this enormous amount of money through a Section 96 grants to the state. So the state gets the money, but the money is tied to a particular purpose. And the particular purpose of this 4.6 billion will be that it goes to the private sector. But the Minister for Education in the state, here it would be Mr Merlino in New South Wales, it is currently Mr Stokes, is actually responsible for making sure that that money gets to the private sector. And currently that money goes straight to the bureaucracy of the Catholic Church and also the in some cases to individual schools, but the bulk of it goes to the Catholic bureaucracy which sits under the Archbishop and there are very few, if any, strings attached to that money. And Mr Stokes in New South Wales, when the 4.6 special deal school funding fix was given, by Mr Scott Morrison in recent weeks said I'm not going to pass it on I'm not going to be party to this we signed up to Agonski 2.0 and this is a special deal this is against the deal that we signed up for fair enough the states still have to do the job and they can say no to a bunch of money, because Mr Stokes wants money for his state schools. These new 4.6 million for non-government schools was going to be phased in over a decade and be distributed on the basis of the socio-economic status of each school, but it was also a special slush fund for them to transition, which was really going to be for new schools. Well, the Catholic schools New South Wales immediately reacted. They lobbied the government backbench over the funding deal and they wrote to all the coalition MPs warning them that Mr Stokes' position would hurt their schools. Why is the New South Wales Minister for Education risking the future of New South Wales Catholic schools? The letter said. It was sent uh, last Friday week and it said that mr stokes had dealt a body blow to the confidence of the catholic school communities when he rushed to announce he would not be signing the agreement concerning this 4.6 billion school funding fix they went on this critical decision conveyed to catholic schools via the newspapers characterized the funding changes as illegitimate and improper his Claim of lack of fairness, a special deal and a reference to funding wars was injudicious and generated enormous angst amongst parents. It's worked against informed debate. Well, perhaps Mr Stokes was trying to to stoke an informed debate about what Catholic parents really should have known, that Mr Pickley told them they should know, that it was going to go to the wealthy, not the poor schools. Catholic schools New South Wales said that it would be a catastrophic outcome if Mr Stokes' discussions with his federal counterparts extended to the end of the year. They want the money and they want it now and they want it quickly. Now Mr Stokes's delaying tactics threatened the proper functioning of our schools, they said, in a way that he would never tolerate for New South Wales public schools. So they have used crucial by-elections in other states to flex their muscles and demand a better school funding deal from the federal government and so they were threatening the uh, Liberal government in New South Wales, which is not very popular. New South Wales uh, has got problems as far as the Liberals are concerned, and there is, of course, the Wentworth by-election. But uh, the figures, of course, were very interesting. The Herald, uh, that is the uh, Fairfax paper, wanted the Sydney Diocese to talk about the fact that schooling numbers in Catholic schools, the enrolments are going down, but they didn't. But there's been new developments. Initially, the Premier, Gladys Boriljiklian, said, yes, she would stick with Mr Stokes. They weren't very happy about this. But after a few days of the Catholic uh, bureaucracy jumping up and down, she made a phone call. She personally called the Catholic Archbishop of Sydney while he was in Rome to allay fears that New South Wales would block the $4.5 federal funding deal for Catholic schools and independent schools. She made the call to Archbishop Anthony Fisher as Catholic schools in New South Wales warned of the catastrophic outcome if their schools miss out or have to wait for federal funding. Well, this catastrophic outcome could well be that Mr Morrison and uh, Gladys beryl lose their position. But it may not be because of the funding deals. It could well be because of a very large number of issues. Because Mr Morrison is not necessarily... Uh, the people's choice. He wasn't the people's choice. Mr Turnbull was. Uh, and uh, he's got big problems on his hands and he seems to be putting out an awful lot of bushfires. So um, the Catholic Education Office, the Catholic Lobby Group, are very, very active, but other lobby groups are coming in. The Fair Funding Now people uh, as we told you last week, put a full-page advertisement in the paper and it was signed by 27 supporters of public education because they want more public money for public schools. And what happened this week? Mr Shorten came to the public school party and he's promising billions and billions for public schools. But the devil's in his detail, of course. As Gillard promised in the original Gonski 1.0, no private school will be left without money. So it's unlikely that the private schools will not receive their 4.6 was it $4. 5 billion dollars, 4.5 billion dollars, and their slush funds from the Labor Party anyway. Two bob each way, they always have. And Mr Shorten, after all, went to Xavier. And uh, his deputy went to a Catholic school in New South Wales. So uh, don't expect too much from the Labor government. What you can expect from them is that for every $2 the private school gets, the public school might get $1. So that is the situation uh, in Australia at the moment. It is grossly unfair. I don't think there are too many people who are not aware that it is grossly unfair. And even amongst the private school sector, and amongst the Catholic school sector, it is grossly unfair because religious schools, unfortunately, uh, are not about regarding everyone as equal under God or in any other uh political system either and uh, Christians do believe I would have thought that everyone is equal under the Lord but um, unfortunately they forget about that when it comes to discriminating against people who they don't think should be given educational opportunities and it's a very very sad situation that we're in in our country indeed. So uh, we'll leave it for there and have some more music. Going hunting, but unfortunately, the soundtrack doesn't tell us who the composer was. I think it was Haydn Haydn or Mozart, I would say. But we're back here on the Dogs Programme. Unfortunately, I haven't got a special state school for you. Rich Robert is in in hospital, I'm very sorry, and we miss him most grievously. But I do have a very interesting article from the Fairfax News. Uh, I'm sorry, from the Australian Financial Review, which is Fairfax. And I'll, I, take, I take this uh, paper semi-seriously because people who are interested in making money usually want to have the facts right. Uh, they would like to get the facts and the figures right because it's their business to do so. So here is a Financial Review article uh, by a gentleman called Robert Bolton analysing the special deal that makes the funding conflict even worse. You might remember that the Labor Party worked very hard back in the 1970s to make the state aid funding wars go away. Well, they're, I think they're worse than they ever were and I think that is what a lot of people are realising it hasn't gone away. The running sore of state aid to private schools in Australia is worse than it ever was as Australia falls down the ratings for educational excellence in the OECD countries. Now, Robert Bolton has this to say. The school funding wars which cause so much disruption to education and government are back on. Victoria's hoping to do a special deal with the federal government under which both would escalate their contribution to government schools to overcome a long period of underspending. Western Australia and Queensland say they're waiting to see what Canberra will offer them before signing up to the long-term national agreement on schools funding, which is due in December. If that's not signed, then a lot of schools, particularly religious schools, will be uncertain about their funding, because their majority of their funding comes from Canberra. The manoeuvre, which was meant to end the funding wars by giving more money to the angry Catholic sector, has set the whole process off again none of it, he claims, was necessary. The Gonski 2.0 recommendations, which the government accepted in late April, reaffirmed the principle of needs-based funding for all education. And the Cheney review in June agreed with the critics the old socio-economic score methodology was outdated and the previous minister, Senator Birmingham, agreed. The report showed the system needed improving, but he did say this would have to wait until 2020. In any case, there was an extra $20 available under the Gonski 2.0 model, so all players knew there was more money available and the principle of needs-based was embedded. Birmingham demonstrated his reluctance to do special deals when he told the universities last year they'd have to forego $2.2 in future government income as the price for the government having to balance the budget. The Senate was rigorous in doing what the then Federal Treasurer and man who ultimately booted him out of the education portfolio, Scott Morrison, asked him to do. Birmingham had an intense dislike of special deals. Birmingham was a not dishonest man. He came from the state school system. He was educated in the state schools and he was a South Australian. That's not written there. That's my addition. My But under the Birmingham plan, he would have used Cheney Review's methodology to give some Catholic and independent schools a better share of the funding, but probably not $4.6 I would suggest. The outdated SES methodology, which provokes so much anger among Catholic schools, takes data from households to show how much a community in the vicinity of a school was earning but the flaw was that some small Catholic schools with parents on relatively low incomes were located in otherwise high-earning postcodes. A better methodology was to draw on the personal income tax records of parents of children at each school to work out their fee-paying ability. Although I would like to point out that it would also point out uh, what kind of accountants are employing to tax, for tax minimisation schemes, and but that could be done without revealing the fee paying ability of individual parents to the school, which had been one objection. So it went on like this. And the New South Wales Liberal Education Minister Rob Stokes responded to the 4.6 billion special deal for the Catholic and some independent schools by saying, you can't play favourites in education. And he was quite bemused by the fact that they suddenly came up with this 4.6 billion, which made the 2.2 billion in future revenue the universities were asked to do without look paltry. In that instance, equity was also the principle since Birmingham had said from 2020 funding was new for new university students would be dispensed with in relation to university performance. So, this is all very interesting indeed. I suggest you read this article if you want some understanding of what Birmingham was intending to do and what has been done off the cuff just to please Catholic schools and um, put that together with what Mr Joyce said about his wealthy Catholic school at Riverview and just think about what we are really putting these billions and billions of dollars into when we give money to religious schools that undermine our public schools and then discriminate against children. But I'm afraid our time is long gone. So that's it for this week. Bye for now and look at our website at www.adogs.info if you want to know more about the dogs. But it's bye for now.
3: I saw Joe here last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe Here ten years dead I never died, says he I never died, says he In so late city, Joe, says I I am standing by my bed They framed you on a murder charge Says Joe, but I'm dead Says Joe, but I'm dead The copper bosses killed you, Joe They shot you, Joe, says I to organize, went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where workers strike and organize, it's there.